Well, hello everyone. I am your host, Colton Prater, and this is the Fires of Revival podcast. And I am honored that you would take the time to listen to this podcast and just take some time out of your day or whatever it may be in your car, in your room, with some headphones, whatever the case is. And I'm just so thankful and honored that you would take the time to listen to this, and I pray that it'll be a blessing to you. And I pray that this podcast will help strengthen you and encourage you and just be a blessing in your life. And I also want to encourage all those that have listened to this and that are listening that you'll take this uh, podcast, these specific messages here, and that you'll share them with your friends, that you'll send them to them, forward the link to them, and just get the word out, because that's one of the best ways to help grow this podcast and to spread the word is by word of mouth and by texting your friends, letting them know about it, and encouraging them to listen to it. And I would challenge you to do the same thing, and even, as well, not even that also, but even uh, giving this podcast a review or a rating or that kind of thing, because when you do that, it helps boost it in the ratings and helps increase its chance, likelihood of being seen by others. So if you could do either of those two things, I would be tr- that would be I would be tremendously grateful for you and that thing that you've done there. So I challenge you, please do that. That would mean the absolute world to me. But we're going to jump into our message here. But before we jump into the message, we're going to open up with a word of prayer. So let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing, uh, giving me the ability, uh, technology here, and the ability to preach, to be able to use this technology and to help put this message out there for others to hear via their phone or computer or whatever the case. And I ask that you calm my nerves, be with me as I'm doing this, be with those that are listening, that you will prepare their hearts, that you will do a work in their life, that they'll take this message, apply it to their life, and that they'll be comforted, encouraged, and even challenged because of this, Father, and in your Son's name, Amen. So the title for this message here is Unshakable. The title is Unshakable. And our text comes from Acts chapter number 5, Acts chapter number 5, verse number 40 through, verses 40 through 42. Acts chapter 5, verses 40 through 42. And if you're listening and if you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to open it up and read along with me. That would just be so wonderful. And if you can, I understand. But if you have one with you, that would be so wonderful if you, if you could just read along as I'm reading here. But we'll jump into our text, Acts chapter 5, verses 40 through 42, and it says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So we see here the apostles, they had uh, just been arrested because they were beaten, and then they were commanded that they shouldn't talk about Jesus ever again. They were beaten, they were arrested, and they said, we're going to let you go, but you can't talk about Jesus ever again. And then in verse 41, it says, they departed from them, uh, from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Then it says, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So we see these apostles here, they lived the unshakable Christian life. We see that they faced hard times, they were arrested, they were beaten. But it says in verse 42, and daily in the temple, meaning they continued every day since then. It was a daily process that the hard times didn't mess them up. The hard times didn't stop them. The world tried to shake them up and tried to stop them and tried to say, hey, you know what, maybe we can get these apostles to quit and to give up their faith and to not talk about Christ ever again. But we find that they were literally unshakable, that they couldn't be stopped, or they still continued even when the hard times came. And the question for us is when hard times come and when the devil sends things along to try to, uh, along to, try to shake us in our Christian life and shake us in our faith, 
and get us to mess up and get us to quit the cause of Christ, do we let that shake us up and mess us up and we quit or are we unshakable? Do we put those things aside, have Christ ask Christ to help us and he does and we get past that or are we shaken and quit or are we the unshakable Christian? Are we like these apostles that were literally unshakable when the hard times came? And we're going to look here in the Bible in Second Chronicles. We're going to look at a story in the Bible or about a character in uh, the Old Testament Israel here, and uh, the, specifically he's a king of Judah, and we're going to see how that he was unshakable as well. We're going to see how he was unshakable, and we're going to look at the principle of Acts chapter 5 personified in a story in Second Chronicles 34 here. And we're going to read a couple verses out of chapter 34. And this here is one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. His name is King Josiah. He was the youngest king to ever reign. And he was one of the greatest kings that Judah ever had. And we're going to look here in 2 Chronicles 34, verses 1 through 7. And it says here, excuse me, Josiah was eight years old and he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one in 30 years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence, and the images that were on the high ground, uh, that were high above them, he cut down. And the groves and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces and made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even unto Naphtali with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the graven images into powder and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. So we see here that he had be- he began to reign when he was a young boy. It says he was eight years old and he began to reign. Now, if you, here's some context about King Josiah here to, to help lay some groundwork to help you understand what his life was like. His grandfather was King was uh, Judah's most wicked king, King Manasseh. He ended up repenting at the end and finished well, but the beginning of his reign was terrible. He was a very wicked king, served Balaam and served all the wicked gods, and he hated Christians. And he was a very wicked king. His father was literally murdered because he was such a bad king. The, the people didn't even like him. And then eight-year-old Judah or eight-year-old Josiah was thrust in to be the king of Judah because of all of his family issues. So he didn't have the greatest track record going his way. If you were to look at his family, you would say this man is going to fail. This man had the worst possible upbringing anyone could have, and that if he his likelihood of succeeding and being a great king for God was little to none. Yet we find that he was one of the greatest kings that ever lived. And it says there, then in verse 3, it says that he began to seek after the God of David, his father. So he began to seek after God. And then it says, in that same year that he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And then it begins to describe all the ways that he was able to take these idols down. And then it says that he uh, followed after God. And then in verse 2, another thing, even before all that, it notices it says, It says that uh, he was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined to the right hand or to the left. So he was as straight as an arrow in a sense. He didn't look to the left hand or to the right right hand. He didn't let anything shake him up. He didn't let anything mess him up. He just kept going on and kept going for the cause of Christ. He was unshakable and unmovable. 
He said, this is the path I'm going. I'm going to go straight and narrow. And nothing on the left side, nothing on the right side is going to mess me up. He said, none of these things, these distractions that come, are going to distract me from the cause, from the thing that God wants me to do. He said, I'm going to be a righteous king. And that's exactly what he did. He was one of the best kings that Judah ever had. And we'll look at that later on at a verse that actually says that. But he was one of the best kings that he ever had. You know, I'm reminded of uh, a sermon I heard while I was at college by a professor of mine named Mr. Mike Fox. And he, he, was, referring, he was preaching on King Josiah, and he made a statement about him. And he said, and he replies to us, he says, uh, or applies to us, he says, Too many times we live the Christian life as if we're driving under the influence. I'll read that again. He says, Too many times we live the Christian life as if we're driving under the influence. And what he meant by that, referring to the verse in Second uh, Chronicles 34, that Josiah declined either the right hand or the left hand. And he's saying that too many times us as Christians, we're under the influence, meaning we're driving as we're under the influence, meaning we're swerving from side to side. We can't drive straight. We can't drive correctly. And one second we're over in the left lane. Next thing, next thing you know, we're in the right lane. And we're just constantly changing back and forth. And we're just swerving. We're driving as if we're under the influence. We're living the Christian life as if we're under the influence, in a sense, using that analogy there. And I believe a lot of times, many of us are. We are shakable in our Christian life. We are able to be moved because our foundation isn't found in Christ. We're not founded upon Him and resting in the solid rock and hiding in the cleft of the rock there and trusting Christ to get us through. And a lot of times, we are able to be shaken and being able to be moved in our Christian life. We're not as effective as we could be. Because we are not unshakable. We look at another verse, Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. So the Gospel of Matthew here, chapter 16. We're going to look here at verse number 18. And it says here in 16 and 18, it says, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is Christ here talking about Peter, and he's saying that, he, that he's going to build his church. And he says there, talking referring to the church that Christ is founding, it says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Meaning, nothing can stop the church. Once Christ puts the church in place, puts it out there, nothing is going to stop it. Nothing is going to stop the church and what Christ has in his plans for it. And just as the church is unshakable and the church is unstoppable, us as Christians who make up the church, should be unshakable as well. We should be the ones that are, we should be unshakable too, but too oftentimes we're not. We're not unshakable. We're too easily moved. We're too easily shaken and messed up in our Christian life when little distractions coming along. When little distractions come along, when we should be unshakable. Another verse, First Corinthians fifteen. If you want to turn there, First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and we're going to look here at verse number fifty-eight. First Corinthians uh, fifteen. 58, and it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. All right, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that we just read there. And I'll look at one word that I wish could describe all of our testimonies, and I pray it does. And it's the word in there, it says, unmovable. Can we say that our Christian life is unmovable with our testimony? That our testimony is going to be unmovable and that nothing is going to cause us to mess up for his name. That we're not going to stumble, we're not going to fall, we're not going to falter, that we're literally going to be unmovable. So when Satan sends some fiery darts to come tempt us to get us to mess up or tempt us to get us to fail and fall apart, 
can we say that those darts aren't going to cause us to fall apart? Those darts aren't going to shake us up and mess us up and cause us to fall. Can we literally be unmovable in that sense? Bob Jones Sr. made a statement on character and he said, the test of your character is what it takes to stop you. You know, I've heard it said that character is what you are in the dark and that is true as well. But I think what he said is even more profoundly true and that is that the test of your character is what it takes to stop you. So I want you to think for a second. What are things that grind your gears? What are things that mess you up, that cause you to stumble, that cause you to falter? Things that can stop you in a sense. That's the test of your character. Whatever those things are, I challenge you to pray and ask God to allow those things not to cause you to stumble anymore. That those won't be the things that will mess you up. You know, what does it take to stop you in your Christian life? What are the things that get you, that get you to stopping? That get you to stop when God wants you to keep pressing on for him? Now, if you turn to the, we're going to look here at 2 Kings chapter 23. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25. We're going to look here, another verse here, back, back to Josiah here, kind of ending things up here at the end of the message here. We're closing it up. But in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse number 25, we're going to look here. This is a parallel account of King Josiah here. The first one we read was in the Chronicles. This one here is in the Kings. And we're going to look here at a verse, at a parallel account that talks about him. And it says, And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might. According to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Can we say that same thing about our testimony? Can we say that, you uh, fill in the blank, that, and like unto such and such, was there no person before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to the law of Moses? Can we say that we truly lived a life that there was no one before or after us ever like us? Ever like us in our stand for Christ and in, in all the things we've done for him? Can we live a life like that? Can we live an unshakable life, an unshakable testimony for the cause of, for the, cause of the Lord, for the cause of Christ? You know, it says, you can honestly say that he was even better than David because those those words there, although David was a man after God's own heart, it says here that there was no king before him or after him that turned to the Lord like King Josiah did. That King Josiah turned with everything he had and he followed God wholeheartedly. Can we say that that be us? Can we say that we are unshakable? So I want to challenge you with this message. This is a briefer one, a short message. But I just want to challenge you to go all in for God to... Ask him to make you unshakable in your testimony. Ask him to say, ask God and say, God, I know I'm not the best of Christians, but I just want to ask you to help make me more unshakable, make me a better Christian. Give me a better testimony that you'll make me strong when the hard times come, that you'll strengthen me when hard times come and trials come and temptations come, but I will stay unshakable for you. So that's the message for today. I just, uh, just want to challenge you guys to be unshakable for Christ and not to be moved by the things of the world, not to be moved by Satan's tempting and just not be moved in our Christian life and just to stay like a tower grounded or like a foundation grounded in the earth. That's not going to move. That's not going to falter. So that's the message. I'll close here in prayer and we'll close it up. Uh, Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity to preach this message. I ask that you, uh, be with those that listen in, that they'll take it, apply it to their life and that they will be unshakable for you, that you'll, Make them unshakable in their Christian life, that you'll grow their foundation, that the temptings of Satan and that the hard times in life and loneliness and all the different things that come along to help mess us up in our Christian life won't mess them up, Father. I just want to say I love you. Thank you for this time. And in your son's name, amen.